You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Nemo taught me not to live in fear, but friends, I am terrified tonight. It is Tuesday, April 25th, the year of our Lord, 2023. We are live, jam-packed, high atop a picturesque downtown Nashville, Tennessee. What you scared about, JP? Well, we are live. That's what I'm scared about. And if we would have been live at any hour-long point over this afternoon, we would have missed so much news. So I got two choices. I can either speed through this show irresponsibly in hopes that nothing breaks, or I can just get ready for Bradley or Jesse to walk in here at any point and hand me a post-it and who knows what's going to be written on it. The transfer portal's on fire. There's smoke everywhere, and yes, there is fire. And roster churn is underway. In Boulder, Colorado, unprecedented things happening with Colorado. I'm going to talk about that. we got portal moves all over the place. Tyler Butner's in there, and I am differing with most of the college football public in relation to where Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Butner may head. Because there's some Alabama rumblings, and I just will have to see it to believe it. DJ Uyangalale, though, I did see some interesting comments from him, so I do believe them. And I think it speaks to a couple of different parties, a couple of different areas of focus for us this year. One of them may be DJ as a player. We got the NFL draft coming up this week. I'm going to talk about it, by the way. But speaking of the draft, DJ Uyangalale, you hadn't really talked about his name in the future draft prospect world, have you? Maybe he's going to reemerge in that market with a good year out in Corvallis. Really, really thought-provoking stuff from him uh, via a piece in The Athletic by Bruce Feldman. So I'm going to touch on all that tonight. They're watching us in Lake Park, Georgia, Scottsdale, Arizona, Hickory, North Carolina, Louisville, Kentucky. And as I told you the other night, we will not be live Thursday, but we are live right now. And we are officially, as of Sunday night, taking suggestions for the 2023 Late Kick Tour name. Remember, the parameters are we want something that embodies the spirit of this show and Pate State and what we're all about. So far, we've had the Renaissance Tour in 2021, and last year we had the Every Given Saturday Tour. And this year, whomst knows, you have not come up with the winning suggestion yet. Uh, Speaking of winners, the three of you who won the March Madness Bracket Challenge your chalai will be shipped in due time. So stand, uh, stand tight there. Okay, I don't know that we've ever led a show with Colorado football. Check the, check the annals, Jesse, and, and immunity while you do it. Colorado just churning away. Now, in reality, nothing really has happened at Colorado that Deion Sanders didn't strongly suggest would be happening. But the thing I told you to watch at Colorado is already kind of happening. It's just happening maybe a little bit earlier than I anticipated. Remember when 
Dion got there and everyone went crazy about it. And a whole lot of YouTube videos got a whole lot of traffic, including on our channel. And all of a sudden, everyone started talking about Dion Sanders because they realized, hey, that guy can make us a lot of money. His name's been that way for a long time. It just so happens that now it's attached to Colorado football. And so Colorado football as a byproduct is in the news. That you knew. What I suspected and what is quickly coming to reality is that hype and that attention would be disproportionate to the early success they were going to have, i.e. they were going to get Georgia, Bama, Ohio State attention, but they're not going to have Georgia, Bama, Ohio State results on the field immediately or in recruiting immediately, and people would come out of the woodwork and they would criticize. Now, Dion doesn't write the headlines. Colorado doesn't write the headlines. They don't make the videos. Actually, in some cases, they do because they have their own channels. But you get my point. You cannot manufacture that kind of hype. You, you've got to have it happen organically, and it's happened organically, and, and it's rubbed some people the wrong way, and that's fine. You like what you like. You don't like what you don't like. That's the entire ethos of our channel. We run with what you want to hear. But the reason I'm mentioning all that is because we're about to run into it a little bit earlier than I expected. What I expected to happen was this fall, they were going to lose some games and people were going to say, see, I told you they were frauds. I've warned you about that. Well, what's happening right now is they're losing a bunch of guys to the transfer portal. And people are saying, oh, looks like it was, it was all smoke and mirrors out there. Maybe people don't want to be associated with that Colorado program. Let me remind you, nothing's happening right now that Dion did not say was going to happen. Nothing has happened that they didn't in, in some ways orchestrate themselves. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you in Nashville, Tennessee tonight, I'm not telling you that every kid they've lost, they wanted to lose. Absolutely not. No way, no how. But in general terms, Dion was on the record very clearly saying, hey, we've given kids an option and some of them have run off and now we're going to run some more of them off. And so we always knew there was going to be roster churn. What I want to do is two things. Number one, I want to tell you what I think about it in a second, but I want to just paint a picture for you about how unprecedented this thing that's happening in Boulder, Colorado is. And I want to, I want to paper pop it because that's how serious these things are. They had, all right, let me, let me scratch my nose because the ditches. Let me slow down because these numbers are pretty mind boggling. Think about college football as you know it, because nothing I'm about to say in the next two minutes sounds like the college football that you grew up knowing and loving. As of the start of 2022, as of the start of last season, Colorado had 83 scholarship football players. Since April 15th, uh, they've had 34 of them into the transfer portal, but that's not, that's not like the sledgehammer number, okay? Go back to 2022 again. They enter 2022, they have 83 players on scholarship. They have 18 of them remaining. It's 2023. It's a year later. It's less than a year later. And they have 18 out of 83 remaining. What is this? It's real life. This is not Xbox. This is real life. Uh, by the way, since April 15th, like I said, they've had 34 players enter the portal. They've had 20 more transfer out this cycle than the next closest team. So take whoever number two is. When it comes to losing guys to the portal, Colorado's 20 ahead of whoever number two is. And I think that's Arizona State. Uh, 77%. That's the number that I'm focused on right now. Because really what I want to know is if we're going to set records here, just give it to me in percentages. How much of Colorado's total roster will have overturned in one year? 
Now, to paint that picture for you, if you're unfamiliar with the math of roster attrition, it's pretty wild if you overturn 35 or 40% of your roster. I mean, 40%, that's, that's, you're thinking in your mind, that's nearly half your team you overturned in one year. Just to give you an idea, like a little, a little scale to judge this number I'm about to give you by. So I would say 40% is high. It looks like they're going to be somewhere between 75 and 80% roster turnover in one year. Which is crazy, obviously, unprecedented. We've never seen anything close to what's happening right now, happening in college football. So you've got, um, you got a lot of people out there who are looking at this and saying, well, everyone's saying, wow. you got some people looking at it and saying, hey, that's exactly what Dion wanted to do. And there are other people, especially over the past 48 hours, there are other people when you've seen some, some pretty good names hit the portal and you've also seen some names decommit. And you, so you've seen some bad headlines mixed in with some predictable headlines. And there have been some people who have said, uh-oh, this approach is coming back to bite Deion Sanders in Colorado. So if there's a misstep that's been made here, by my estimation, maybe the misstep has been that you got this ideal vision for what your roster can be, and you have to, you have to bite the bullet a little bit in an admission of what the reality is. So what I mean is Dion and his staff walk in there. He's got a really good coaching staff, by the way. Dion and his staff walk in there, and they've got a, a vision. they got a picture, like every other coaching staff would, of, of what a Colorado football player is. Their critical factors that they want in every position, the minimum baseline talent level. They've got all the traits that they want in a player, and they've got a standard that they want to hold every position group to. And of course, they looked at the roster they inherited and said, we've got hardly any of what we would call the right stuff in this locker room right now. A lot of it we can bring in via the portal. Here's where you can trip yourself up early on. If you don't acknowledge reality and you strictly, from the get-go, accept nothing less than what your ideal roster addition is, you forget that you're Colorado. And that still is a limitation. And what I mean by that is maybe sometimes you have to build up to eventually getting the ideal caliber of player that you want in the room. And in the meantime, you, you got to accept maybe some sirloin in your quest for filet mignon or filet mignon, as we would call it back in Harris County. And I don't, I don't know this to be true because I'm not close enough to the program, but I have a feeling that maybe they have lost some guys that they needed probably to be contributors this year because of the approach that they've taken. I think Deion Sanders may look at that and he may say, collateral damage, we are not going to sacrifice our long-term vision and change our approach therein to appease uh, the, the whims of some kids staying versus going in year one. Our record in year one is going to be whatever it's going to be, and in year three, we'll be all the better for it. I just, I looked at this and I, I continue to look at it because it's changing even as our show happens right now. And I just want to remind you once more, It'll probably do little good, but I want to remind you once more, when teams get as much hype as Colorado has gotten, well, when teams get as much attention as Colorado has gotten, normally it's because they're extremely good. Ohio State gets this kind of attention. It's because Ohio State's extremely good. Michigan gets this kind of attention because Michigan's extremely good. Colorado's gotten the attention for other reasons. And therefore, their results are not going to match in 2023 what Ohio State's or Michigan's will. And there's going to be a propensity amongst a lot of the college football public and fans and whatnot 
to, to downgrade them at every turn and to dunk on them at every turn because they're not delivering in conjunction and correlation with how much hype you've seen uh, shouldered upon them or I guess heaped upon their shoulders. I am going to try my best to stay out of that trap because what's realistic this year is to root for them to win three or four games. That four would be a really, really good year, actually. That would be realistic. There will be bad news. You're also not used to seeing Ohio State or Georgia have to deal with a ton of bad news. Because generally, this world works out for the Georgias and Ohio States of the world. Colorado's going to have a lot of bad days mixed in here. They're going to have a lot of bad headlines mixed in. That's, that's the way it is. If it wasn't that way, they never would have been in desperation mode to begin with. If it wasn't that way, we wouldn't have to be talking about these astronomical, never-seen-before kind of roster numbers that Deion Sanders and his staff are having to press the button on. So it's a, it's a crazy time out there right now. It's a crazy time in college football. But to end the segment in this tone, because I don't have a more professional phrase to throw at you, it just is what it is right now. However, now that we've talked about the Colorado piece, <clears throat> first cough of the night, now that we talked about the Colorado piece, uh, that, is, that is not nearly all that's going on in the portal today. So let's just, let's pull out our imaginary reset button. Boom, we just pressed it. And Colin, that's, that's code for here's where your in-cut is. The transfer portal is it's just wild today. Tyler Buckner's in the transfer portal. I wanted to start with him because that's the most talked about name today. I think most of you know who that is. If you don't, that's a former high four-star caliber quarterback, and he was at Notre Dame, and he was dealing with Sam Hartman this spring. You know, they competed back and forth. Pretty spirited competition. Looks like Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest transfer, is going to end up starting at Notre Dame. So Buckner's in the portal today, and this was not expected. And so immediately, because his former offensive coordinator is Tommy Reese, who's at Alabama now, and because there had been some Tyler Van Dyke rumblings about maybe transferring to Alabama, which I didn't put a lot of stock in, frankly. Oh, there's that frankly word. Uh, since all that was going on, a lot of people said, oh, it just seems natural. Buckner's going to transfer to Alabama, right? And I started to reach out to a few people, but mainly applied my common sense to this and said, there are several places in the SEC that would make more sense for Tyler Buckner to transfer to than Alabama. And Auburn is absolutely one of them because I've seen it floated around. Now there may be one more, maybe over in the other side of the SEC that would make a lot more sense. And now we get word that he is scheduled to make a visit to Alabama. And he's also got that do not contact tag reportedly next to his name in the portal. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with how the portal works, when you have do not contact, Next to your name, that means don't call me. It's, actually, it's absolutely what it sounds like. And what it's code for is I already know where I'm going. I don't need anybody to recruit me. Thanks, but no thanks. So you start to do the math. His former OC is there. He's visiting there, scheduled it the same day as he hits the portal. Do not contact. And Bama's quarterbacks didn't light the world on fire by most accounts in the spring game. And it just seems like it's a foregone conclusion that Tyler Buckner's going to land at Alabama, except that I don't feel that way at all. Now, as regular viewers of this program would tell you, there has been a time or maybe even two in the past where I've been wrong on this. I just don't feel like Alabama's the fit for him. 
it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So there's several things in play here. It could just be that my instinct on this is wrong. It could be he lands there. It could also be that visiting Alabama serves many purposes. Purpi, if you will, the plural of purpose, of course. Don't let him teach you otherwise, kids. It could be that there's another landing spot out there that you want to keep quiet, and so you're using Alabama to, you know, be the big elephant in the room, quite literally. And then all of a sudden you randomly land at like TCU or somewhere like that. It could be that you just want to go meet with your former OC. It could be that you want to sit down and have an honest heart-to-heart with Tommy Reese, maybe Nick Saban. Maybe you want to go there and see if you can work your way into an offer, because we don't even know if he's got an offer on the table from Alabama. Anyway, this is going to be pretty wild to watch over the next fill in the blank, 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours. We'll see. I just don't think it's a slam dunk to Alabama. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Shane Hooks, you know that name? Probably not. Well, he's landed at Ole Miss. Where he was was Jacksonville State. This is a 6'4", 205-pound receiver. He was uh, the leader, Jackson State. What did I say, Jesse? I said Jacksonville? He didn't play for the Jags last year. No, he did not. Uh, Jackson State, he, he was their leading receiver, I can tell you that. 66 receptions, 775 yards, had 10 touchdowns last year. Ivans is all over this guy. Andrew Ivans loves this guy. I think he's bought all the stock that was available. All the Shane Hook stock is now in the pocket of Andrew Ivans. Jacksonville State, or not Jacksonville State, not Jackson, Jackson State, former Deion Sanders head coach, Jackson State. They have five receivers that really were the focal point of that offense last year. Four of those five have transferred to Power Five universities, and the fifth one is probably about to go late in the draft later this week. So that whole receiver room got gutted there. Shane Hooks, though, got another good one there. If you're Lane Kiffin, got another good one at Ole Miss. Jordan Hudson, need to talk to you about him. A lot of receivers, a lot of receiver talent all of a sudden in the portal. Jordan Hudson from TCU, 6'1", 190 pounds, uh, number 92 overall player in the 2022 class, and he was the number 15 overall wide receiver in that class. The favorite is what stands out here because the favorite seems to be, drum roll please, we don't have the drum roll, do we? Figurative drum roll please. SMU. I'm giving you time. I'm letting you raise your eyebrows. I'm letting you do your double takes. But it makes a lot more sense than it may sound. Of course, they're proximity-wise right next to each other. But also, SMU last year, seventh in pass yards per game in all of college football. And they have the number 10 portal class. SMU, yeah, has the number 10 portal class right now. That is the only G5 team in the top 40 of the portal rankings. So SMU's doing not one thing, right? They're doing several things right out there. And maybe, just maybe, Jordan Hudson ends up being another one of those things they're doing right. Ooh, Photog almost got taken out in the B-roll there. Storm Duck. What is happening with Storm Duck? Very interesting situation. So Storm Duck was at North Carolina, and he transfers to Penn State. That was before the spring. And so it was the thinking on this show. It was the thinking at Penn State, obviously. And it was the thinking for most of college football that, well, good. Manny Diaz and that defense, they got a solid number two corner. Then spring practice happened. And it looks like Johnny Dixon just beat him out for that spot. So much so that Storm Duck is now back in the portal. So he just made a little spring visit to Penn State. 
not too different than we did. He stayed a little bit longer, but not much longer. And now he's back in the portal. I don't necessarily know that it's, it's kind of surprising. I hesitate to ever say shocking. Six foot, 200 pounds. He was second team all ACC last year. So a good player, uh, but one that I, I guess just went to Penn State, took his shot, did not look like he secured that starting position. And I can only presume that that's why he's moved on. There could be a million other reasons in the interest of full disclosure and fairness. But the depth, that's kind of what bites you a little bit with Penn State, because it looked like at the very least you were going to have a starting caliber guy in your two deep, maybe, and certainly in your nickel and dime packages, you were going to be able to get them on the field. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Also, Brennan Thompson is a guy I've talked to you about. That was one of those two receivers speedster receivers that were in the portal from Texas. Well, he found a landing spot. He's headed to Oklahoma. Yeah, you heard me right. That's just, you got to get used to it. I know it's cringeworthy for a lot of you. It's, it's just, it's a foreign concept to see guys go Georgia to Florida, the Brenton Cox protocol, or in this case, Texas to Oklahoma, the Brennan Thompson protocol. But that's where we are. 10, 18, 100 meter guy. Very, very fast. 5'10", 165 pounds. He was a top 50, top 150 guy in 2022. Oklahoma has two wide receivers coming in right now that run under 10'5 in the 100 meter. And it's very important that this happened this cycle because as you well know or should know by now, Texas and OU are headed to the SEC. This, therefore, would be the last cycle that this can happen because you can't do this in the SEC. You can't transfer inside the conference this late in the cycle. You can do it in the Big 12, though. So there you go. Brennan Thompson headed to Oklahoma. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. More on the portal in just a second. Do any of you live in Indiana? And more specifically, do any of you live in Lafayette, Indiana? Purdue, for example. Got some Purdue Boilermakers watching the show. I, hold your horses. It's not going to be an entire Purdue segment. It's actually about our fine friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors. The reason I have to mention Lafayette, Indiana is because we have a new store that we have opened up. Grand opening was this past weekend, and it's right there in Lafayette, Indiana. And so I imagine once upon a time, someone has watched our show, and they have heard me tell you that you can get everything A to Z and in between, maybe even parts of the Greek alphabet at Academy Sports and Outdoors, and you have thought to yourself, self, I'd love to go, but we don't have one. That excuse doesn't work for you anymore in Lafayette, Indiana. 
And for those of you who don't already know, you got one in your backyard, and I strongly encourage you to visit said location, snap a picture of that receipt, and tag me when you post it on social, because we have been known to send out chali, that is the plural of chalice, chali of supremacy, for people who, um, who patronize the new Academy Sports and Outdoor locations when they open. So Lafayette, Indiana, you're on the clock. Every other NFL team's got to wait Thursday. You guys are on the clock tonight. And for the rest of the free world, who can't quite make it in person, you may have one in your backyard elsewhere, but if you don't, academy.com, they got you covered, academy's got us covered, they always have us covered, and we really appreciate them being a part of the show. You think I'm done talking about the transfer portal, but I'm not, because we have more names. I told you a lot's happened today, and I appreciate you guys. If you're watching right now, I need you to like the video. A dangerously low percentage of you have liked the video. I don't think it's because you dislike the show either. You probably have just forgotten. You're probably there eating dinner. That's fine. Do yourself a solid because Jesse and Colin would like to be able to eat dinner at some point tonight too. And the only way that happens is if you click the thumbs up button. It's not strictly transactional. It's just I withhold supper from them until we hit a certain amount of thumbs ups and subscriptions and whatnot. And it's, it's called an incentive package. And I hope that you will therefore, I hope you'll help them out if you don't feel like helping me out. The transfer portal continues to be ablaze. Caleb Burton, it's an interesting situation here. This is a guy in a loaded wide receiver room at Ohio State who has entered the portal. He's 5'11", 170. There's an interesting stat being thrown around. And uh, I saw Coach Reed, Coach Carl Reed, talking about this earlier today. 70% of guys in the portal right now are not starters which makes sense, but it also means that sometimes you're taking a little bit of a gamble on a guy, or maybe a guy is good, like I assume Caleb Burton's probably going to be, but he was just in a loaded receiver room, and he couldn't crack the starting rotation, and so he's moving on. This is just a situation where there's too much talent ahead of him, and he didn't want to wait, so he wants to get on the field. Uh, a four-star in the 2022 cycle, number 71 overall, he was a top 10 receiver. His offer list, if you go back to high school, Bama offered him, Clemson offered him, Oklahoma, Georgia. So if you want to label the guy a bust or he hasn't quite panned out, you're going to have to sell me that every one of those programs whiffed on their eval along with Ohio State. I don't believe that to be the case. I think the dude's going to be pretty good. May even be on the field this year for a big time player. I want to talk to you next. You know, I'm going to save, I'm going to save the James Madison kid for a couple of minutes from now. But I got a, a very, very wild entrant into the portal. First, let's go to FSU. We got, a, we got a surprise. I think we would call this a surprise out of Tallahassee. Joshua Farmer, a defensive lineman there, 6'3", about 305. He's entered the portal. A couple of things you need to know about him. He has not always weighed 305. In fact, he weighed about 250 when he got on campus. And they, they went to the trouble of putting 55 pounds on that kid. This is not a portal guy. This is a guy that they recruited. They developed in-house. He appeared in 13 games last year and looked to be well on his way to contributing more this year. And now he's in the portal, which is funny because if you follow the portal, Florida State is normally the one going into the portal and getting players out and then doing a lot with them. And it's just got some people scratching their head in Tallahassee. Uh, he hasn't landed anywhere, so I, I guess technically he could come out and he could stay there. But this is the other side of the portal. There's a two sides to that portal fence, I guess. And Florida State seeing the other side that they don't normally see. He had six tackles for loss. 
Defensive Freshman of the Year at Florida State last year when they handed out their own awards. This is surprising, very surprising. I got another surprise for you. It is a surprise that Isaac Ukwu is leaving James Madison, but he has indeed entered the transfer portal. He is a seventh-year senior, because those exist now. He is 6'3", 260 pounds, defensive lineman, Colorado, Auburn, Ole Miss, Cal, they look to be in it right now, among others. Uh, Obviously, if you're a seventh-year guy, you've had injuries and misfortune. So he's had knee problems in the first two seasons he was there. Last two seasons, though, I believe 27 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, first team all Sunbelt in 2022. As I said, 6'3", 260. Someone's about to get a seventh-year guy. Someone's about to get a full-grown man who could be a player coach, and he's got a great last name, UKWU, Isaac Ukwu. That's our best guess. We did not have the James Madison phonetic pronunciation guide readily available in the office today. Shame on Jesse for that. But seventh-year defensive lineman there from James Madison. They made the jump from FCS to the G5 level while he was there. Also, I think James Madison was still alive when he first enrolled. Uh, James Turner, though, is the final name I want to talk to you about tonight. We have a kicker alert. Sound the alarm. We got a kicker in the portal. Now, normally, we would not be spending a lot of time talking about a kicker, and I'm, I'm going to spend like 45 seconds on this one, but this is a really good kicker. He was 100% from inside 40 yards last year. He's a three-year starter school record for field goal percentage made in 2022 and Louisville's been playing ball for a little while and much like Tyler Buckner he's got that no contact tag next to his name which means he probably already knows where he's going and if you listen to the Chris Hummers of the world and I certainly do sounds like Michigan may be involved there now as I always tell you we do a live show which means at any point we could be in the middle of talking about someone And unbeknownst to us, they have already committed somewhere. As I said, scary, scary stuff talking about the portal live. Just want you to take several sips from the chalice. I've got something I don't normally have with me on, on set here. I've got quotes from a story. And I'm going to read them to you in just a second. So we got a, we got a tweet from Sam. And Sam hit me up and he said, did you see what DJ Uyangalale said about the Clemson offense? If so, what are your thoughts from Florence, South Carolina? I did see it. I would encourage any of you who have a subscription to The Athletic, go look at Bruce Feldman's story that he did about DJ. Really good, really in-depth. And he got him to go on the record and he got him to talk about his time at Clemson. So before I show you the quotes, I want to ask you, what is your perception of him? Comes into Clemson as a five-star. He, he's thrust into starting action. Remember, I think it was on the road against Notre Dame a couple of years ago when Trevor Lawrence went down for a little while. And DJ comes in and just throws the ball for like half a mile. And everyone thought, oh man, he's going to be off to the races. And so then we get Lawrence off to the NFL and it's DJ's time. And he just never goes the way that people thought it was going to go. And so there were a lot of folks who started dumping on him. And there were a lot of folks who said, well, Clemson's not the problem. Clemson's been rolling for a long time. And they kind of ignored that, yeah, they had been rolling with the same pair of coordinators for a long time. And both of them left. 
And all of a sudden, Dabo didn't do a national search. He promoted from within and elevated a guy who's never been an offensive coordinator in his life. And Brandon Streeter, might that have been an issue? That wasn't really a lot of the conversation, right? Most people said, nope, it's DJ. He's terrible. Hot garbage. Move on. And there are always things you can't know. Uh, this is what one of the benefits of being able to get inside these programs and talk to people off the record has shown me is that there is so many moving parts in any football operation and with quarterback. I want you to think about this. You can't know, and, and most of the times I don't even know, but you can't know how many times there, there are things going on internally that contribute to poor play, whether it's being a bad fit, uh, there could be just drama in your own personal life, there could be internal issues and dissension inside the program that reflects poorly on your play on Saturday. Well, no one cares about it. They just see your poor play and they say, he's not good. And then the other thing, and this is what would drive you crazy and it would drive me crazy. If you got a broken leg, you can't play. But if you've got a, a strained oblique, or if you've got a jammed thumb that's having to get treatment right up until kickoff, you don't publicize that. And most people never find out about it, but it affects your play. And all of a sudden you look terrible and you, you, what you can't do, because it makes you sound like a cat emoji, you can't go to the press afterwards and say, guys, I know I was 47% completion percentage down from my usual 65 today, but look, look at this cut between my index and middle finger on my throwing hand. Whomst amongst you could throw with this kind of affliction? You can't do that. So you just got to suck it up and deal with, with the, the injuries or deal with all the external factors. And my point there is that stuff's all baked in sometimes to what a quarterback's numbers are. And then if you add in it's a poor fit, then it really can go sideways. So anyway, I teed it up that way to say I have learned to always take underperformance with a grain of salt. With that in mind, Listen to these quotes from DJ Uyangalale. This is, again, this is from Bruce Feldman via The Athletic. Quote number one, I didn't want to do what I was doing at Clemson. I did not really like what we did there scheme-wise. I didn't think we did very much. I thought it was very basic. It didn't help me as a quarterback and play to my strengths. That's quote number one. Told you, he was really open and honest. Quote number two, as it relates to how Oregon State is different. The scheme is totally different than what we were doing at Clemson. I feel like it's a lot better. It's just new stuff. I wasn't doing any of the run checks at the line. I wasn't really under center. It's a lot more plays. All of these different play action plays, these different two-man routes, three-man routes, all the stuff I wanted to do at Clemson, but we weren't doing. It's exciting. Jesse, do you have that comparative profile of the, the offensive splits of Clemson versus Oregon State? I forgot to write that down. But if you... If you look at the numbers, Clemson is in shotgun 98% of the time last year. Oregon State, 45%. Clemson, 15%, 14% play action, but 20-plus yard pass attempts. Clemson, 75 of them. Oregon State, 41. It's very, very interesting, as it was when you heard that he was transferring to Oregon State, because you think to yourself, I would have guessed 10 places before I guessed Oregon State. It's very obvious this was not a knee-jerk reaction. In fact, in that very feature, DJ went on to say, I did not care about the campus. I don't care about facilities. I just care about football fit. To all that stuff that mattered coming out of high school, as is 
very frequently the case when it comes to the portal. Guys don't even care about it the second time around. First time around, it's about all the trappings. The second time around, it's about the meal and what is going to sustain me, what's going to nourish me the most. And he's headed to Oregon State, and he's jumping in an offense that may very well suit him far better than the Clemson offense. And that brings me back to those three letters that used to be tattooed on DJ Uyangalale, and now you don't hear him as much, and that is NFL. And I think you could see a really good story out there in Corvallis, Oregon this year of a guy that had been hyped and then written off rewriting his story and reemerging on NFL radars. Right now, everybody's talking Caleb Williams next year. Everyone's talking about Drake May, rightfully so. You figured DJ was going to have his name prominently featured in that conversation, and he is not right now. He's not anywhere close right now. And I'm not saying he's working his way into the top five of the draft or anything like that, but it, it would surprise me if his name did not reemerge. It would surprise me if he did not resuscitate his image a little bit this year. The other thing that this, again, points a white hot spotlight on is Dabo made a short-sighted decision when he elevated Brandon Streeter. Credit, that, that's the criticism. The credit to him is he, he hit eject after one year. And he's now got, for my money, the highest profile offensive coordinator that was on the market in Garrett Riley. So credit due. You know, if I'm going to criticize you, credit due when you made the change. So you could have a win-win here. I, I assure you DJ's going to win. He's in a better situation than he was. Uh, but maybe that underperformance is what sparked Dabo to make a change. And, and maybe they stumbled into making the best hire that they made in quite a while. Still would like to see that receiver room overhauled a little bit more effectively. They're watching us in Charleston, South Carolina. They're watching us in Lexington, Oklahoma, Lake Seminole, Georgia, and Slick Poo, Idaho. Had to Google it to make sure. It, it, it is a real town, and they're watching us there. We appreciate it. The Mood Tracker's back. We put it on ice for a little while while the spring games were going on, and now the Mood Tracker has been thawed out, and it's time to go again. The Mood Tracker is a temperature of the fan base. What are you feeling right now? And we want to responsibly present it so we can tell the masses so there is, there's no misconception about how fan bases feel. And we're doing Alabama tonight. Alabama's in a situation that really is like the envy of most of the sport because you, you still win 10 games or 11 games and you're floating around that area and everything's a disaster and everyone's talking about how we got to fix the program and hardly anybody ever gets to that point. And uh, they don't really care to hear that in Tuscaloosa. They just want to win another national championship. And it also galls them that Kirby Smart, out of all people, has been the one to at least, at least temporarily in the minds of many, Elevate a program above Alabama, not a team, a program. If you do program power rankings right now, there are many out there who would put Georgia just a smidge ahead of Alabama. I would be careful talking in final terms about that. It could be that it just fluctuates right back this time next year. But anyway, I'm saying all that to say I have the mood for Alabama fans as ready to max, not maximize, max, as in you're one of the strongest folks in the gym. You have been for a long time. And so you're, you're still working out every day. But it's been a little while. It's been a little while since you really loaded up on that, on that flat bench or that squat rack or power cleans or deadlifts. And so you, you start to wonder, have I, have I lost an inch or so in my shoulders? Are my quads a little smaller than they have been? Hmm. The definition on the interior part of the pectorals there, 
It's not what it used to be. I wonder if I still have what I used to have. And so, what do you do? Well, there's only one thing you can do. You got to wake up. You got to eat a nice breakfast. You got to load up on the pre-workout. And then you got to go down to the downtown Nashville YMCA and you got to max. There's only one way to know if you're as strong as you used to be. You got to max. And Bama fans are ready to max. Bama fans, to put a finer point on it, are ready to, to open the hood and to see if that same engine's in there that once was. The talent has not gone anywhere. I am a firm believer that we will go on to look at this past recruiting class and say, that may have been the best class Nick Saban ever signed. I think multiple true freshmen off of this past signing class, the Justice Haynes of the world, the Caden Proctors of the world, uh, the Caleb Downs of the world. I think they're about to start this year. Phenomenal class, insane depth in that class. Talent's not an issue. They're loaded up pretty much everywhere. I love their secondary this year. So a lot of what has hamstrung them over the past couple of seasons, relatively speaking, I don't think is going to be an issue. But what they want to know is, are we seriously about to lack a top-end gear in physicality and aggression and the kind of, not just player, but the kind of overall mentality we used to have in this place? I mean, look, it's, it's been a pretty foreign concept to hear Alabama players publicly saying, I don't sense the Alabama standard around here right now. And a few of them were on the record of saying that last year. Nick Saban acknowledged it. He said, that's a failure on my part. If our former guys are coming back around looking at our product and saying, no, nope, this doesn't quite meet the standard. It's, it's not bad. It's far from bad, but it's not excellent. And that's the standard around there. And so, you know, you're not going in there. If you're ready to max again, of course you're going to be able to put a plate on. You can, just, you can throw 135 up in the air and catch it. You can rep 225 like it's the NFL combine and you're a defensive lineman. You start getting into that three-plate territory, and you'll still be able to throw it up a few times. But, but when we start putting 405 and we get up 495, or if we're using a 50-pound bar, 500 even, can we still throw that up? Or do we need to spot? Spot! Just one side get a little crooked and, and all of a sudden you got plates dumping because smartly you didn't use clamps when you were maxing. I think we're going to find out this year. You know, it's, not, it's also not a situation where there's not someone out there that has been in ascension mode. It'd be one thing if Bama was slightly off pace, but it didn't matter because no one else out there was even close. Georgia had been in ascension mode the whole time. Georgia is using that Bama blueprint. Georgia does have that toughness. Georgia does have a bunch of guys that, as Kirby Smart says, are willing to eat off the floor. And there's that hunger that is required of your entire program, top to bottom, to get that kind of over-the-cliff performance out of everyone. And Alabama just hasn't quite had that. I, I get excited about looking at them this upcoming year because I tend to think they are planning on reverting back to a style of play a complimentary style of football that does harken back to a little bit more physical style, a little bit more aggressive style that we've seen from Bama not too long ago that we've seen from them. Just a big, physical, nasty offensive line where at least four of them, I think, have future first-round potential. And maybe five, we'll see, but I feel very good about four of them. You got several running backs that can do the job. Plenty good enough in the receiver room which makes me question why so many people are up in arms right now about this quarterback room. But again, I'm in the minority. Everyone else out there thinks Bama's got a poverty quarterback room. 
it it may very well fall short of the past several years standard when the past several years standard is Hertz and then Tua and then Mac Jones and then Bryce Young. You got Heisman finalists in that room virtually every year. Maybe you don't have one this year. Maybe you, I don't know, don't need one to play the best caliber ball that this team is suited to play. It's just a theory I want to float out there. But with Bama, you know, none of the rest of the country feels this way. The rest of the country is very, very happy to see them a little unsure of themselves publicly. And for the first time, you're, you're able to see the infighting a little bit. You know, the stuff that you're not supposed to see. The, spo- the stuff that's supposed to happen behind closed doors. Mom and dad are arguing about the best way to, to raise the child. And should we even have a swing set in the backyard? And what in the world has happened to the front lawn? When are we going to mow the grass? You're not supposed to see that. The window's not supposed to be open and you can hear that in the kitchen. You're not supposed to hear Bama fans talking about whether they've lost it. You're not supposed to hear Bama fans talking about why they're not physical anymore and why Georgia looks like they used to look. You're not supposed to hear that. They got to go max this year. They got to figure out if they still got it. I tend to believe they do. And uh, the other thing I'm asked so much when I'm doing radio hits and, and all kinds of different hits, I don't even know what to call them anymore. I'm asked if Georgia's the new Alabama. I get asked that multiple times a week. And what I say is, no, Georgia's Georgia. It just got ingrained in people's minds for so long, there can only be one dominant program out there. No, there's room. There's not room for seven of them, but there's room for more than one of them. I just think we got two of them there right now. Got room for Ohio State, Michigan. Got room for a third if you guys want to ascend up there and recruit at that level. Uh, USC, you guys interested in playing defense on the West Coast? Got room for one out there. Uh, got room for Clemson to, to return back to that level of prominence. Georgia and Bama are both there. They are both at that level now. So Georgia's not the new anything. Georgia's just Georgia. The best version of Georgia you've ever seen is Bama still the version of Bama that we have seen. That's why you got a max this year. I do not believe in maxing more than a couple of times a year. It's just putting the focus in the wrong place. But that is not my advice for Alabama. By all means, max this year. So, I walk in the building today, and Producer Jesse is back. This is not a Producer Jesse memorial show tonight. He is actually back. And Producer Jesse said, I have some ideas. You know, the NFL draft is Thursday. And I said, is it? Is it really? And Producer Jesse said, do we want to talk about the draft? Because a bunch of people had asked us to on Twitter, and I said, Jesse, this is, this is not NFL Network, and I don't put out a mock draft. I just, I just let Ryan Wilson and the guys at Pick 6 do that. And he said, yeah, but there is a responsible way to talk about it that sort of overlaps with, with our brand of college football talk. And I said, okay, let's do it. So Brandon hit us up from French Lick, Indiana, home of Larry Bird, of course, and he said, how much are you paying attention to the NFL draft this year? Brandon, I'll pay attention to it. I'll watch all three days uh, to varying degrees of interest, of course. I'll watch, but I will heavily be invested Thursday night in the first round. Um, but the way that I watch it is a little bit different. So I am always reminded the NFL draft is an evergreen reminder of how important it is to recruit Texas, California, and Florida. I always tell you, I think those three states are the key to balance and competitive parity in college football way more than any playoff structure. And the reason is so glaringly obvious. 
That's where most of the talent comes from. Then you got Georgia and Ohio State behind them. And I'm talking about the last 10 years, which states have produced the most NFL draft picks. You would not be surprised to find out Florida is first with 316 of them. And then you got Texas with 284. And then you got Cali with 253. Georgia 208. Ohio uh, down the list a little bit at 112. So think about the teams that have done the best jobs recruiting those areas. And voila, you basically have the college football playoff picture with a couple of exceptions every year the past several years. And it also is an evergreen reminder that if Southern Cal ever really begins to lock down California talent again at the level they once did, and then probably need to go outside California for, for line talent, but because California is not producing linemen. They're just not. So, so you can't just lock the state down and not leave unless you want to play seven on seven. But general rule of thumb, you see what I mean? A&M and Texas are doing a really good job recruiting already, but that's the key. The, the California schools, anybody on the West Coast, who can go and pilfer as, as much talent as they can, especially quarterback and receiver talent from California. And then in Florida, if Miami could just marginally get their act together, if Florida, Florida State, marginally get their act together in state, you see what's possible. And you also see what it would mean to keep some of that talent away from the Alabamas, the Ohio States and Georgias and Clemsons of the world. That's a, that's a long running theme on this show. The next thing I think about is how this is far from an exact science. So stay away from definitive takes. I, I very, I don't have to cover the draft, but if I talk about the draft, even off the air, I so rarely pound my fist and wag my finger in people's faces because I know how inexact this is and I know how much system matters and fit matters and luck matters when it comes to having a draft pick pan out. So the last three drafts, I have producer Jesse go back and look. The 2020 draft, the number three pick has been traded for, the, uh, for a fifth round pick in 2023. Like no one calls that. Uh, Jalen Hurts went 52nd overall. Some people said that was a reach to draft him at 52 overall. Two of the top three quarterbacks selected in 2021 will not start for those teams this year. Uh, picks number 17 and 20 of the 2021 draft are no longer with their team. And here's, here's a really wild stat. From that 2021 draft, when it comes to picks 25 through 111, there have been two pro bowlers, and both of them are centers. All the players taken. What is that? 86. I think that's like 86 players who have had two years to play. We got two pro bowlers out of that entire crop, and both of them are centers. 2022 also provided us two rookie pro bowlers, the number four pick and the number 153 pick. Both of them are corners, by the way. Also, if we just want to, if we want to cherry on top this whole thing, and get some love to Iowa State, the very last pick in the draft, I refuse to call him Mr. Irrelevant because it's an Iowa State quarterback, but the very last pick in the draft just took his team to the NFC Championship game and got hurt in that game. He went 8-1 and one as a starter. Brock Purdy, that's the only game he lost, and he was, he was crippled, essentially, in the NFC Championship game. So system, it matters greatly. Fit matters greatly. Luck matters greatly. What am I watching for this draft? Well, I think some people are doing it again the N'Kobe Dean thing. I think some people are doing that N'Kobe Dean thing with Will Anderson. Overthinking the room, too much time on your hands, and Tyree Wilson, God bless him, love Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, 
is not Will Anderson. Uh, Will Anderson is the best defensive player in this draft. You don't have to overthink the room on this. Please don't be that guy who's watching this dude terrorize the NFL for the next half decade or more and saying, wait, 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 we, we had a shot at him, did we not? We have since fired all the people who passed on him, but, but we, a fan base, we had a shot at him. Tyree Wilson's a very good player. Just to give you an idea of how superior Will Anderson has been, Tyree Wilson, over the past two seasons, uh, 99 tackles and 14 sacks. Will Anderson, just in 2021 alone, had 101 tackles and 17 and a half sacks. It's not always stats and then the end of the world. Stats can lie, uh, but normally if the stat was going to lie, it would have been one guy loading up in an inferior conference. Will Anderson loaded up in the best conference in America. Tyree Wilson was playing out in the Big 12. So Will Anderson's the best defensive player in this draft. Don't be that guy who passes over Will Anderson. Don't do that. I beg of you, please don't do that. Those are some things I'm looking at, man. Those three states, Texas, California, and, and then also, so I, I said two states, Texas, Florida, California, and then Georgia, Ohio. You take those five, and man, it's a long way when you add them up before you get down to number six through number whatever equaling that total. A lot of talent. It's just not all evenly divided up out there. Appreciate you guys watching. Thank you so much. Remember, we'll have a Late Kick Extra podcast Thursday, but we won't have a Late Kick Live. So the only difference there is it's not on the YouTube channel. Make sure you are subscribed. Don't just go find it. Do your, do your duty as a college football citizen. Please subscribe to the podcast feed. That helps us. Just subscriptions alone. They help us and they don't cost you a thing. And again, like I said, that's the way that we feed Jesse and Colin. Sometimes Junior Director Bradley, too. So for those three, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much. Take care. Enjoy the draft. We'll be back live Sunday night. Until then, God bless. all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply